the editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Tim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio as usual. Very, very glad I'll have my friend, frequent guest, because he's good, uh, because he's smart, because he can talk nicely. Uh, it's Dave Fleming, Giants broadcaster, broadcaster for ESPN, many, many different things. Dave, good morning. How are you today? I listen to your podcasts, and most people are pretty nice to you, I would say. <laughs> most yeah, it, it does. Yeah, yeah, there isn't a lot, but that's okay. I, I, that is the kind of the setup of this, is to have a conversation. Uh, the way I always think about it is I'm inviting people on. They have no, you know, there's no demand. They, they just, they're on a show. Let's have a conversation, maybe get to some interesting topics, uh, maybe push and pull a little bit. But uh, I, I hope to have a conversation. Dave, you and I will fight, obviously, as always. Yeah. But uh, and I think, I th- you know, I, I still think of you all the time with Harbaugh and others. But I mean, I, I always come back to Harbaugh with you. Like, it, it, it's more fun when you when everything isn't just agree, agree, agree. And I think Jim always felt that way, even though he didn't like being challenged in certain situations. I think. Most people are very willing to go back and forth and have a conversation and disagree. And I, I it makes for more fun sports talk. So well, anyway, keep it. I, yeah, you've got you got to know what you're talking about. No, no, I'm just presuming that I do. Sometimes maybe I don't. But uh, I do think that the top guys, the top people, top men and women appreciate a little back and forth when it's done in context. Yeah, and, and it makes it more important. And I do appreciate sometimes the day we'll just talk about this, the, the the stuff of the show here, but we'll get on to stuff like the Giants. But it does get interesting. Like some of my regulars will put it this way. People I have on a lot. I won't name names. Sometimes can't do my show at a specific moment because they have to be in context. And there are things going on that they can't talk about at that moment. And they know if they come on my show. We're, we're going to talk about those things. It's funny. It's like, I'm not again, I'm not going to name names, but there are people who are always very willing to be on the show except for certain times and they cannot be on and yeah and i kind of i in a way i kind of respect that like hey you and i are going to have an honest conversation if we can't exactly have that there's no point in us doing this yep exactly. you know it's almost like that and avoiding these questions which they can't avoid in other circumstances would just look be awkward and, and would not be great to do it let's do it later when we can do it in contact anyway this is people are just we're discussing my show which i always have i can never mind i appreciate dave bringing that but let's talk about the san francisco giants uh you know not not a great time for them they're not a terrible team certainly not a great team uh i've written that they're a boring team i mean and that's a little bit of a tough word to use but that's the one that just keeps striking me I am struck. There is a story in the athletes today uh, by Dennis Lynn and Ken Rosenthal about AJ Preller and the Padres, just kind of the disconnection there, the tensions. And it just strikes me. And I don't know if you've read that story, but it just strikes me how different, how opposite that is of what's going on with the Giants right now. The Giants are, have a better record, presumably a better team this season, but they don't have stars, right? There isn't that obsession. The, the fans are not into them as and the Padres are still filling up that stadium yet. You know, it's a, a much more clean organization, I think we can say. And yet the results are not great. Uh, you you probably haven't read the story yet, but Dave, does that strike you? Like the Giants are in this weird situation where 
things are peaceful, right? Things are, everyone's kind of aligned or very much aligned, and yet it's still not quite clicking, which is different than a lot of other, I would say, worse situations. Yeah, very different. I haven't read the specifics of the story yet, although, you know, I think we've heard a lot of that stuff as the year's gone on about what's going on in the in Padre's world. It is, I mean, they, they, right now, they are, they are two polar opposite organizations. They are. Uh, how they build a team, how they construct a staff, how they do it all. Um, and, you know, for both, the results have been disappointing. You know, I, I, I think you know, the Padres have been really disappointing when you consider the star power, the money spent, all that stuff. But, you know, I think you're right to say it's not unfair to say the Giants season has been a disappointment. It has. Now they still have a chance. You and I are talking here as we're about to start the two biggest games of the year. If you come into Arizona and you, you know, you win two games uh, against the Diamondbacks, maybe that can be a, a springboard. But uh, but before, you know, today, I think it's still fair to say the Giants season has been a, a disappointment. And, you know, part of that is unlike the Padres who have been so schizophrenic and gone back and forth and here's what we want our team to look like. No, wait, we're going to trade everybody and start all over again and trade for new people. And the Giants have just sort of methodically over the last five years built to what was supposed to be the year where everything looked the way they wanted to look. And it clearly has not looked that way. So I think that there are lots of differences, interesting things, but I, you know, but one takeaway from the Padres is the magic bullet isn't just signing big name players. So that, that is not the magic bullet. You hear that a lot around giants land. Do the giants need impact talent? 100%. Absolutely. They do. But the but the solution isn't always just to go out and sign everybody that you can sign. That doesn't always do it. Yeah, that's why I think the, the Padres was a good kind of like this isn't just go do that. You're right. Just spend money. If they would only just spend money, if the ownership would let them spend money, or if Farhan would be more, you know, take more risks. And I get into that too, and I feel it very strongly. Like the, they just they've done everything right except for bringing in players who could make a difference and certainly make a difference at the you know in the box office which is part of this certainly for the giants but yeah that's why I, I i do warn myself like okay if there's a regime change what are you getting to because like is carl would carlos correa have made a difference for this team you know uh, e even healthy i don't know i mean it would it look different but and you can't say that that zay didn't try to do this so, David, did, where, where do you trace this back to, this lack of star power? I mean, there's many, many places, right? There's draft, there's trades, there's free agency. But if you trace this back to where it kind of might have branched in a, in, a, in a way that has led to this, where, where would you pinpoint? Yeah, I, 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 I've been doing some thinking lately, just, you know, not just spitballing because all the conversation's been swirling around what's going on with the Giants. So it's hard to avoid, even if, you know, those of us who are here with the team, you know, we we are still focused at that old the old cliche of day to day. You, you still get up in the morning and think about that game, that day's game, and hey, they still have a chance. But it's hard hard to avoid the big picture conversations. I would say this: your colleague uh, Grant Brisby had a piece fairly recently, maybe it was a few weeks ago, just about how it was inevitable that the free agency route the Giants had like struck gold on their free agents for two or three three years in a row, like almost no misses and lots of big hits from Gosman and Rodon to, to others. Uh, and so the fact that, yeah, exactly. The, I mean, the fact that the, the, the signings this year have not gone the way that they wanted them to. And then if you include 
you know, Di Scalvani in that and the way his sort of thing has gone off the, the rails this year. I, you know, I, I think his point was, if you're just relying on free agency, that is a losing strategy. Free agency can be a supplement. It can be a really important supplement, but it is inevitable in this sport that you'll have misses. So I think the answer to your question is, is that however the impact players are going to get here, the most prominent way is through development. And it just hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's been, you know, it's been five years of trying and a lot of progress this year and the potential for two of them so far. I mean, Patrick Bailey's got a chance to be a really impactful player and Kyle Harrison has a chance to be a really impactful player for the Giants, but so early in their careers. I was thinking about the contrast with, the Houston Astros and, you know, when Houston's regime took over when they could say Astros are like the Giants, man, for years and years, Bagwell and Biggio. I mean, they had great teams over and over again, and they went to the World Series and they were going to the playoffs a lot. And then it just kind of crashed. Those guys retired or burned out. And so they were lost and they, they did the whole tanking thing and you know, massive rebuild. But what happened? at the beginning of that. Their first two of that group, I, I'd have to go back and check the dates, but it, in my mind, the first two sort of high picks of that group were George Springer and Carlos Correa. And those guys were picked to like, I want to say somewhere like 10th and, and Correa was obviously first. So then if you equate that, and I'm not, this is not blaming anybody. This is not singling players out or drafts out. But when the Giants had their first chance after all those years to take two players really high in the draft, those two players in back-to-back -back years were Joey Bart and Hunter Bishop. And the, the the incredible advantage and springboard of nailing those picks for Houston. You could take the Cubs too, I think. I mean, the Cubs, you you'd you'd use Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber, maybe, as their two picks. Yeah, they traded for Rizzo, yeah, that's right. And they traded for Rizzo, but you know, that I think that would count too, like finding a guy like that through a trade which is something, I mean, maybe you and I can talk about this, but the Giants are going to have to consider that to me. The trade, the, the trade avenue is going to have to be open to try to find those impact players. And I, that's not blaming anybody. It's not, you know, it's two different groups that drafted those two Giants players. The draft is really hard, but that's what got that thing turbocharged in Houston. And that's what got it turbocharged in Chicago. And then you can bring in, the, the John Lester's or the Justin Verlander's or whoever. And then all of a sudden you got yourself a championship caliber team. And that just has not happened here. And they need it to happen. They've got one guy, Logan Webb, who can be that kind of player. They've got a few others they think can be, and they made a lot of progress development this year, but it has not translated into guys who are doing it right now and setting the stage for that, that next ramp up. Yeah, just to be clear, Joey Bart was the, pick of the, the, the Sabian Bobby Evans tenure and you know Hunter Bishop was Bailey yeah. was the first pick of the Zaidi arrow that seems to be working out pretty well and Bishop was the next year I believe and that has not worked out but no absolutely great point um you miss on those it, it ends up hurting you this does feel a little NBA-ish if I can make this you know stuck in the middle like you know you, know, you don't get that top three pick can change the franchise uh you know, you, there's other great Corbin Carroll was not a top, you know, top three pick. Like there's there's misses in there, but this right, this franchise is never going to tank, right, David? I mean, I can't imagine this franchise ever ever even con contemplating anything like that. You got to fill that stadium, 
but you don't want to like accidentally tank, right? You don't want to like get yourself in a position where you're not getting those picks and you're not competing. So yeah, we're talking about a trade here, but do they have enough? You think at this moment they didn't have enough to get Soto very clearly last trade deadline. And they wanted to try to get into Soto. Do they have enough now, David? Can you see putting about three or four or five of those players together, and and who would they be bidding for? Who who is that guy? Yeah, there aren't. There isn't a natural candidate. I mean, people talk about Pete Alonso being a trade candidate. He's thirty years old. He's got one year until he's a free agent. So. You would be if you made a trade for Pete Alonso. A, you wouldn't have to give up that much. I mean, you'd have to yeah. give up somebody good, but you wouldn't have to empty your farm system because nobody. We've seen it play out, and nobody who's one year away from free agency has a huge value uh, in this game in this industry. They just don't. So he's one name, but um, would he help the Giants? He would. Yeah. He would definitely help the Giants. Uh, and maybe if they make other moves this offseason, maybe it would make sense to hey we. We need a jolt and he can hit, you know, the, again this year, you know, Michael Conforto starts off the season. He hits eight home runs in the first, you know, five weeks or whatever it was. You're thinking the Giants are finally going to have their 30 home run hitter and he's got 15 or whatever. And they're not even close. Uh, you know, the Giants have had this massive power void. And so somebody like him would help, I think, fill a big void. Uh, but you can target, you know, some of the trades that people make for impact players aren't the ones that get the big headlines. And I think that's something Farhan and his group have been really good at is identifying talent that's maybe undervalued. So, you know, you'd be you I'm sure they're going to do it, but they're going to have to explore some creative ways with their young players, with other teams, young players, maybe to find a match. And a lot of that is just getting lucky. You think they are? Uh, what do you think about Shohei Otani right now? Obviously, he's not going to pitch next season. I don't think he's admitting. You know, he doesn't want to make that. It's certainly free for him to say, I, I still want to do everything. But probably not going to pitch next season. Maybe going to dimin be diminished as a pitcher. I think that hurts the Giants' candidacy because I think if he wanted to play at Oracle Park, it was going to be as a pitcher more than a hitter, and he wants to hit 60 home runs. But maybe this declines his market and maybe the, the Giants, you know, maybe the Dodgers aren't willing to go to a certain number. Where, where do you think that situation is with Shohei Itani and the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I think if everything were perfect, I think Shohei, everything that I hear is Shohei is very interested in the Giants, that the Giants are high on his list. It's a good fit for lots of different reasons. But I think the number one thing that's going to have to happen is the Giants are going to have to convince him that this can be a championship winning team. And obviously he makes anybody a, a more viable championship contender. But this guy is hyper focused on winning and finding the best winning environment. And, you know, that I, it's frankly going to be a hard sell for the Giants right now. It just is. If this season had finished with a flourish and uh, all these young guys were just thriving and you're set up for, you know, a, a playoff run here and you're getting everybody lined up to push into the postseason. I, to me, it becomes a lot easier. So that's I think that's going to be the toughest sell for the Giants on Otani. It's a great fit in a lot of ways. I think the Giants have been extremely flexible. The Giants pitching concept as a whole, I think, fits Otani like, hey, we can work the whole you know, if you sign Shohei, the whole staff has to be worked around his schedule. That's a it is a it's a burden. It's a burden. I think any team in baseball would be willing to take on. But I think the Giants have like the concrete evidence of we can make this work for you. There's lots of things about him that fit the Giants. They desperately, desperately need a hitter of his caliber. But I, it's going to be a tough sell. And I mean, look, I, my, in the pit of my stomach, I'm just because I think he wants to stay west. 
The Yankees don't seem like a good fit right now. The Red Sox are making a regime change. Maybe somebody comes in and just decides that's our all-in move and we're doing it. And who knows, maybe the Red Sox can pull it off. Doesn't sound like the Cubs are that in. I think it's the Padres and the Dodgers and the Giants are, are the, the top contenders. And I mean, in the bottom of my stomach, I'm just envisioning the Dodgers are coming to Oracle mm-hmm. Park next year in the first week of the year. And if they have a lineup that includes Betts and Freeman and Otani as the top three hitters in the order, Giants fans are going to be, it's going to be a mutiny and and, uh, it'd be hard to blame them. Is he worth fifty million? Just gentle. I mean, we're oh, spitting out our money, even yeah, if, if not, even if he's not going to pitch for a while. One hundred percent, absolutely, without question. He's where he's worth to me. He's worth almost anything you could give him. Uh, the impact that he can have on everybody else. Uh, I think he, he's going to chase seven hundred home runs in his career. I think he's that talented. I think you're talking about an all time, all time, all time great talent who is in the prime of his athletic career, and even if the pitching goes away, is going to be a massively valuable player. You know, put all the business stuff aside. I'm not even talking about all that stuff. Just on field, I think Shohei Otani is a generational talent and the kind of guy that's almost impossible to get. And the Giants did it when they got Barry Bonds, and it changed the entire franchise. And I know the Angels, you know, the counter to that as well, the Angels haven't made the playoffs with him. And I just put that aside, like the chance to get a guy like that comes around very, very infrequently. He's better than Aaron Judge. He's more talented than Aaron Judge. I love Aaron Judge, but it's a franchise changer if you get him. I I mean, I, it isn't my money, but what I, I just don't see a scenario where you and I are talking five years from now and whoever signed Shohei is regretting it. I, 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 I really don't see that scenario. I do think he looks at Oracle Park and thinks, can I hit 50 home runs there? Um, I, I mean, again, we're just reading. He doesn't talk about this. We're interpreting. But there have been hitters who just wouldn't come. I, I think Bryce Harper, that was a big deal for him. Um, do you feel that just um, in MLB circles that push comes to shove, it's going to be hard for get hitters to to think that they can put up their stat line in Oracle Park? Definitely true. Definitely. How- However, in Otani's case, I mean, look, I, maybe I'm getting bad info, but everything that I've heard over the last two years is the Giants were really high on his list the first time and they didn't have the DH then. And so that killed the chances and they're still really high on his list. So if it was the case then and seems to still be the case now, I don't think that is the ultimate deterrent. I think it's much more about can the Giants lay out the vision for, OK, we're not just signing you, Shohei. We're also doing this, doing that. Here's our plan to be back in the playoffs immediately. and build from there. And that's where you look, I mean, even these last few weeks, uh, you know, Patrick Bailey, Luis Matos, uh, the promise of Kyle Harrison, although, you know, we may not see him again in the big leagues this year, but those, those things are important in that, that that's how detailed this whole pitch is going to be with him and his people. It's going to be granular. Like what's your vision for the next 10 years? One person I imagine would be involved in that is Buster Posey. And I mean, kind of raised some eyebrows when he moved back to the Bay Area. We know it's a family thing and and family likes in the Bay Area, which I certainly appreciate. Kind of thought he was going to go back to Georgia and never come back. Uh, is what I thought, but I was wrong. He, it's it's very interesting and, and, and it's all natural. But where do you see Buster's voice? In, in the, you know, he's now a part owner, uh, obviously not a huge percentage. He's got other things he wants to do. But w- what's Buster's voice? 
like in inside those halls right now? Yeah, I, I, the voice is loud, I think, and it's going to be loud. I think he wants to be involved. I think he wants it to be a big part of his life. Uh, and I, I don't think that's the reason why they're coming back, but they did. They really missed Northern California. I won't speak for them, but they just missed it. They, they loved living here and being here and they missed it. And you know what? Good for them for having the, you know, don't ha- be prideful and just uh, just say, hey, you know what? We miss it. Let's let's go back. Uh, I'm thrilled that he's coming back, but I think his voice is going to be loud. I think he really wants to be a big part of the Giants franchise and and be a part of those big decisions. Does he want and you think his future is, you know, being the, the, the designated shot caller? I mean, down the road, ownership level, whatever, whatever it is. Let's not try to move people out of jobs here, but. Is, is that kind of his future here, maybe? I don't. I, that's not my guess. I mean, I haven't asked Buster that question, so I don't know. But my guess is he really likes this. Like, hey, I'm a part of the franchise. I think Buster's really, you know, you've talked to him before. You've seen the stories of all his business deals while he was a player. Uh, you know, he's never uh, public about that stuff. He's not a showy guy. But behind the scenes, like, he's really interested. And I think he's become much more interested in the Giants from the business standpoint and the, the, you know, sort of the franchise operation standpoint, I think he's just a curious guy about that stuff. So I, I don't know that he wants to be the day to day, you know, decision maker on the baseball side. In fact, my guess is he doesn't want to do that. I think he wants to do this, like, you know, be there with Greg Johnson and Rob Dean and Larry and all the people who are, uh, you know, separated from baseball ops, but also have a big role in shaping the franchise. I think he wants to be right in that mix. All right, David, you're wearing your Stanford shirt. I cannot help but bring it up. <laughs> you just throw it in my face. That's okay. Yeah. All good. Uh, we've talked about Stanford athletics just recently and, and your issues with what's going on there. That was before the whole detonation of the Pac-12. I've, I think at the time I said like Stanford and Cal going down at the wrong time here. That that really was a key part of this. Not all Stanford and Cal's fault, but I don't think SC and UCLA are so hot to go to the Big Ten if they have a natural rivalry that that brings them fans and interest and in, in, you know action. Okay, now it's all blown up. Stanford and Cal to the ACC. Where are you with this, Dave? You're Stanford, a proud Stanford alum. You know tons of people there. Also, you know, you know the college football scene. So well, what is your feelings about that development? Just that specific yeah. to Stanford. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, me included, feels a sense of relief that they found a spot. Like it is, it's cliche, but it is musical chairs. It's like, if you're the one left standing, the whole thing could go poof. I mean, really, we were facing the possibility of Stanford and Cal athletics uh, disappearing would probably be too strong of a a guess, but really changing changing the place in both those universities. And nobody that I talked to, nobody that I talked to wanted that to happen. So I think for now, there's a big sense of relief that they've at least found a lifeline and a way to, you can play big time sports, even if it's all inconvenient. It, none of this, liter- almost, I think really almost literally, other than maybe in the USC football office, all of this realignment and movement has made nobody happy. It's made a very small number of people rich and a very small number of people have ruined a lot of the history and tradition and what makes college football and sports fun for people just on their, of their own volition without any anybody asking them to do it. And it, it pisses me off and I'm really mad about it. But I hope that for Stanford and Cal's sake, this can be like a short term. Okay, 
ACC, and I give the ACC credit. They gave them a, a chance to keep their sports going. So I'm not going to criticize the ACC for, for doing that. It's not a good fit for anybody. It isn't. It didn't, you'd be lying if you think it's a good fit. Uh, you know, hopefully we can get, if this is the way it's going to be, maybe we can at least get somewhere where football gets separated out and all the other sports can go back to some sanity um, and playing regionally. And then at that point, you could live with it more easily, maybe even just football and the two basketballs do all the travel and everybody else has a a, a more sensible schedule. The whole thing sucks. Uh, college sports is in danger of losing a huge part of what's made it fun and popular for all these years because of all this. Might not happen right away, um, but it, it's in danger of that happening. Uh, but for Stanford and Cal specifically, I feel good about the short term that they found somewhere to go. And you're right. The, if the football on both sides had been better, the Big Ten would have taken them. The Big Ten would have taken Stanford and Cal if this had happened 10 years ago and the stadiums were closer to being full and they were winning games. Big Ten wanted to take those two. But too many of the schools there were like, look at look at Saturday. There's nobody in the stands. They're losing 50 to 10 and there's 5,000 people there. And why, why would we be doing that? And there were t too many of those people to be overridden. If Because th the Big Ten, look, the Big Ten's not perfect either, but at least then you'd have this pot of six yep. out west of traditional rivals that you could have stayed with. They have literally none of that. They have each other now and that's it, but it's better than nothing. Uh, Dave, I got to get you out of here, but I'll ask a question. I've asked a version of it. I think I, I've asked you this exact question because I like to know what you're reading these days. I like to know what you're liking. Sometimes it's too highbrow for me, but that's my fault. Dave Fleming, yeah. <laughs> what's your what's your favorite book right now? Hey, I, I there's a new there's I'm new to me. She's not new at all. There's a woman because you read crime novels sometimes. Oh yeah, I love crime novels. Yeah, love yeah. Them. I, I churn through a bunch of them, and so I found. Uh, this one, do you ever read this woman named Kate Atkinson? No, no. She's British and she has a series of this, you know, detective novels or whatever. And they are a little high, like they're <laughs> maybe a little more literary or something than some others. Uh, they sort of switch back and forth like present tense, past tense, but they're really fun to read and they're funny and she's awesome. She's just a great author. So she's worth checking out. I've read the first two and I'm, I'm, uh, going to start on the third one here. So that's but recently I found her and I think she's great. Tremendous. I, I just finished the uh, Slow Horses series. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Tremendous, tremendous. Like little, okay. little Larry, little, little higher brow than, than I usually go to, <laughs> but very good. I, I'm awesome. sad. I'm sad that I finished it. That's one of those like I almost slowed my pace down at the end because I didn't want to be done with the series. Characters you care about, uh, highs and lows. I, I really appreciate it. So. I enjoyed that book, Horse. Did you read that no, one? No, 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 no. Well, uh, since you said slow horses, yeah. it reminded me of that. It's like a, it's it's a, it's a little bit of a mystery. It's like a, I mean, it's 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 a, that's definitely it's won a lot of awards and people have showered praise on it. Put it on your list. I think I you'd enjoy it. It's an interesting uh, sort of flashback type novel from the 19th century America to literally current day and uh, scientific forensics and stuff like that. And it's centers around the story of a horse in Kentucky and uh, a painting that was discovered. Anyway, it's cool. Oh, uh, good. It's a good cool story. Uh, I think you would enjoy that one. That's a good one. All right, David. I'm getting you out of here as promised on time. I know. Uh, as always, I, I, I'm really, really, really like that because when I tell people I need to get out, I appreciate when they respect that too. So let's get, you got a, you got something to do, but go ahead. We got one more. We thing. have more, uh, we have more stuff to talk about. So have me no, on again. Uh, absolutely. We'll more. We have more stuff to talk about. All right, David, thank you so much for being on as always. Great talking with you. 
Uh, have, a, have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Tim. All right, that's the show for today, everybody. Thanks.